Kilishuateka kiviti Hashem, Baruch Habab Beshem Adonai. The seventh of Av, Bezrat Hashem, the seventh Be Menachem Av. May HaKadosh Baruchu send Menachem speedily and soon in our days. Ken Yehidat Zomb. Like to correspond the seventh of Av to the letter Gimel. From the wisdom in the Hebrew Aleph Bet, it brings down, Man's humanity reaches its zenith in his imitation of the ways of God. Literally, Derek Hashem. And if you're familiar with Musar, there is a wonderful sefer called Derek Hashem, uh, The Way of Hashem, and it's beautiful to uh, get into the study on that and bring that into your life. Musar is one of the most painful, but one of the most enriching things that I've ever experienced. And it really does bring out the best in us. And it really teaches us that we have to really embrace ourself. You know, many people try to suppress the deep, dark corners and crevices of their being but those are the very areas that we're called to shine light forth into it's easy to want to shine light out into the world compared to shining light in our own worlds and the beautiful thing about that challenge is when we shine light into our world the overflow light is even brighter to the exterior world you know, because we think, you know, if we want to change the world, you know, we need to go out and, and do all these amazing things, go win people to the Lord, as they say. But really, it's winning ourselves to Hakadosh Baruchu, winning ourselves to the ways of Hakadosh Baruchu. And it's interesting that the letter Gimel looks like a boot with a with a heel on it and you know it's so crazy that the one place in the world that has a geographical depiction of a boot is none other than Italy like centralized Rome so Rome has done one thing right over the centuries, and that is they are people of charity, which is the letter Gimel, by the way. Gimel is a person who chases after someone to do goodness to them. You know, the food drives, the uh, looking out for the homeless, the soup kitchens and things like that. You know, it's one thing to think, okay, we need to give the best of what we have. We need to make kosher food for everyone. But when it gets down to the crux of the principle of what charity is, that's one thing that Edom has bred beautifully over the centuries. Now, there's a lot otherwise obviously theological and all sorts of other stuff but when it comes to charity you find no 
no sect that uh, really excels in that like they do. And there could be an argument for that. So this is definitely not to say paint with a broad paintbrush and say that there's no one else who does charity. But I just find it interesting, the Gimmel corresponding to the shape of Italy, which includes Edom, which is this final exile that we're in, but there's a lot of charity going out. So, but back to what we're talking about here is it's great to do charity, but what's even greater? Winning ourselves to the way of Hakadosh Baruchu. This is something that Edom has not done per se, but we're not picking on anybody. The whole point of going into this tangent was to say, Musar, it has to happen. We have to deal with the painful things in ourselves. We have to grapple with our personal issues. We have to grapple with our traumas. You know, this is Genesis 32. This is Yaakov getting ready to meet Asav. Asav is Yaakov's twin. He's just a little bit more hairier. But, you know, Asav, that is, is the hairy one. But Yaakov, it says, before he met Asav, he wrestled. And some commentaries say it was Esav's angel, which we know is the Samak Mem, i.e. the Yetzahara. And that's interesting. Because if you really look at wrestling with the Yetzahara, even though another contention is brought down, especially by Lapid, I mean, that this was none other than the face of Hashem and the face of Hashem Paniel who is the minister of the face of Hashem Sarha Panim that's none other than Memtet and also there was a commentary brought down by the incredible Talmud Shlita that it was also the Kisei HaKavod so we have an interesting mix here of Memtet, the great evil inclination, and the throne of Hashem. And it's very interesting to think about this within the context of Musar, of really grappling with ourselves, really growing and developing, getting... Uh, resolve, resolution, closure on traumas in our life. Because once Yaakov went through this experience, he reached a new level. He reached a new plane of existence, if you will. The name Yisrael means one who struggles with God, one who struggles with the divine. And that's something that no mere mortal can do. And this is what we're called to. One of the one of the reasons why the nation of Israel is entrusted to host, if you will, the Shekinah, the very image and presence of God, is because of that fact that we not only do we struggle with our humanity, 
but we also struggle with divinity. We dive deep into the words of Torah. You know, you get into the oral Torah, you get into the Kabbalah, you get into the Midrash, you get into Gematria, you know, and things like that. Some deep stuff that really goes beyond the surface. Not only that, but levels of soul, the four worlds, you know, uh, traversing the left column, the right column and the central column, things like that. And so this is one of the things that we must understand that really takes all that we have within us and some because had it not been for Hakadosh Baruch Hu, we would not be able to excel in anything. <laughs> so I just love this opening line that says man's humanity reaches its zenith in his imitation of the ways of God. That is one of the most crucial points of the letter Gimel. And may HaKadosh Paruku help us so that the Gimel will be manifesting to creation. It goes on to say, this is demonstrated by the Gimel and its juxtaposition with the Bet. As the Midrash elaborates, why does Bet face Gimel? And Gimel stand with its back to Bet. Because Bet represents Bayit, the home which is open for all. Gimel represents Gever, man, who needs or who sees a needy person standing at the entrance and turns around to get food for him. This is from the OTO to Rabbi Akiva. Whatever we provide for our own bayit, we should share with the deprived, as Abraham and Sarah did. It says, A rich man known for his hospitality once approached the Vilna Gaon. His house had burned down, and he asked why all his good deeds had not prevented the tragedy. From Abraham we learned the definition of real hospitality. The Torah tells us that he planted an eshel, but this word is the acrostic of akila, which is food, shatia, which is drink, which, by the way, same words for the foundation stone upon which the ark rested in the first temple. It's called Evan Shatia. And Shatya translates to drink, which is the sheen, and the word Eshu, which is what Abraham planted. Goes on to say, and Levaya, which is escort, which, yes, comes from the root Levi, which is the word for Levite, which are the ones who escort not only Hashem to Yisrael, but Yisrael to Hashem. And this is the picture of Moshe and Aharon. Aharon escorts Hashem down to Yisrael, and Aharon escorts Yisrael to Hakadosh Baruchu. Abraham gave his guests food and drink, and by the way, so if we look at food and drink, that is the Aleph and the Sheen of Eshel. So he literally provided Esh for his guests. So food and drink, and then escorted them for a long or for a distance when they resumed their way so there is the lament 
So he has Aish Lamed, the fire of 30, the fire of teaching, the fire of study, and that's none other than Torah and prayer. Goes on to say, you, however, never accompany your guests on their way, and so your mitzvah is incomplete and could not protect you. In fact, without its third component, all that remains of Eshul is the Aleph and the Sheen, which form the word fire. So the rich man's house burned down basically because he left out the Lamed and he was left with the Aleph and the Sheen. So may we all take note. If we're going to have guests, please let's accompany them out. Continuing on, that is from the May Shlomo Divre Eliyahu. The letters of light brings down the numerical value of Gimel is three. The Talmud says the number three represents Torah, which was given to the Jewish people in the third month of the year to our teacher Moshe, who is the third of three children on the third day of separation between husband and wife you know like the way Mashiach Yeshua was separated from Israel for three days but going on to say the prohibition of marital relations as instructed by God that's what that was all about says the Torah was issued to a people of three groups the Kohanim the Levites and the Israelites Finally, the Torah itself is divided into three segments. The five books of Moshe, the prophets, and the scriptures. This is literally where the word Tanakh comes from, by the way. If you want to abbreviate it, it would be T-N-K, Torah, Nevi'im, Ketuvim. That's the Torah, the prophets, and the scriptures, the writings. And when you see in the writings of the gospel accounts and the account of Acts and in any of the letters and even in Revelation, when it says according to the scripture, that is what it is talking about. It is talking about the five books of Moshe. It is talking about the prophets and it is talking about the scripture. You can read about this division of three and tractate Shabbat 88a. Rabbi Yehuda Lo. The Maharal of Prague, 1526-1609. That's a pretty good life, Bruger Shem. It says, explains that the power of the number three is its ability to combine two contrasting forces. To bring about integration. This is from the Teferet Yisrael, chapter 18, written by Maharal. See also Lakute Siko, volume 2, page 301 FF. It says, What does this mean? Let's say a person is born into the world of Torah, yet he grows up in a cloistered society. He goes to Yeshiva all his life, and all he knows is God. Finally, the person gets married and goes out into the mundane world and begins to earn a living. He says, Hey, there's a materialistic world out here. There are things besides godliness, besides spirituality. Maybe there are, in fact, two realities. The first reality is God. Then there's a second reality, the world. And these realities conflict each other. Therefore, 
Torah is given in the third month because three has the power to merge godliness with the mundane world. For example, our sages state, if there is no bread, there is no Torah. Pirkei Avot 3.17 God expects us to make a living. God expects us to make a living in order to support our loved ones and give charity. And by conducting our worldly affairs according to Torah with honesty and integrity, we are actually finding God in the physical world. I love that. Uh, this has been something personally, just to be transparent, that I have learned just in the past six months, if not a year, that, you know, you get so caught up in Torah study and prayer and mitzvah keeping and you realize, wait a minute, you study just as much Torah just by going to the store to get your grocery items for let's say Shabbat or Yom Tov or just for getting a snack or if you're driving to work and you're stuck in traffic and you're like man I really need something to eat I didn't eat breakfast this morning or I need to go into the break room and get a quick snack or something like that and you're looking for the kosher heksher that is Parsha Shemini that is Parsha Kedoshim and that's just naming two there's probably way more, probably Parsha Be'etkanon, because that's the Parsha of Shema. And one who does not Shema does not look for hexures. So just by the simple act of what you're going to eat, because you're now in a hunger dilemma, you're immersing yourself in godliness and holiness, and you're revealing God in the world. And it seems so crazy to the, uh, how do I put this, to the, the scholarly mind, you know, because like this person here who went to yeshiva all the time and never had to go to work, now they have to go to work, they're like, wait a minute, there's other stuff out here, there's people who don't go to yeshiva, there's people who don't pray, there's people who don't study, there's people who don't eat kosher. And then you find this beautiful statement that says, conducting our worldly affairs according to Torah. Wow. And it says we are actually finding God in the physical world. And this is one thing that Hasidus teaches is that we're to make this world a dwelling place for Hashem. And the cool thing about us doing that is that actually reveals the redemption that reveals the temple that reveals Mashiach so may HaKadosh Baruch Hu help us to really bind ourselves to conducting our worldly affairs according to Torah yes we need to study yes we need to pray and you best believe, best believe we need to walk in true Halakha but not at the expense of conducting our worldly affairs according to Torah and finding God in the physical world. May you, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, help us find you in this physical world. And may we make this home a dwelling place for you. And may you reveal 
the light of the final Geula all around the globe and even inside of our very beings. Sephiroth Yot brings down wanting to do acts of loving kindness is Gimilut Hasadim. This, by the way, to go back to Asaph, to go back to Edom, you know, I know there's the saying, when in Rome, do what the Romans do, but according to the Midrash Rabbah on Parsha Devarim, this was the merit of Edom that gave them defense against the children of Israel. As we made our conquest into the land, we were not to touch Mount Seir. We were to move past. HaKadosh Paduku said, I'm not going to give you any part of their inheritance. Esav was scrupulous in Kibud Av Be'im, honoring his father and his mother. This is part of Gimeluk Hasadim. So, if that was true for Edom, how much more so for any of us who do acts of kindness, acts of loving kindness, whatever that act may be, you know, uh, making people beloved to each other, uh, looking out for the poor, visiting the sick, escorting the dead, absorb, absorbing ourselves in prayer. Oh, and this beautiful thing called Torah study, which is equivalent to the mall. And if you have property in, Yis in Yisrael, uh, leaving the corners of the field for the poor, you know, uh, providing for a bride, making sure that the wedding and everything is taken care of. These are acts of kindness that are ridiculous in merit. So, yeah, ridiculous in merit. That's what I'm going to go with. Okay. So, Gimelu Chasadim says... These deeds, which are so generous, God does not even ask everyone to do them. So, when we do these things, we're literally going beyond the letter of the law. And I think that's interesting why we have the word chasid. Because chasid is related to one who is beyond the letter. And again, we looked at Chassid a while back in our Bain Hametzrim series, and we find that Chassid rearranges to Yad Sach, hand that speaks, i.e., actions are louder than words. And today, um, my um, basically, I work for a warehouse, so we have a, a DC. A distribution center the main person over that distribution center um, he sends out a thought of the day at the beginning of the week and he said that more than the impression of a word to leave on a person is one single deed so obviously that's basically a fancy way of saying actions speak louder than words but we have to understand that our deeds make such a big impression. We know our words are powerful, but our hands speak as well. And so if you add action 
to the power of our words, now we're getting into chasid, which is considered to be kindness. Because we have the word chesed, and if you look at that, you have chesed, and then you left with the yod and the mem, and then if you put the mem in front of the yod, you have the word me, which is who. So if you say me chesed, who is kindness? Now you're looking at chasidim. So who is kindness? Those who do acts of loving kindness. Those who are so generous doing something God doesn't even ask us to do. And not just he doesn't ask everyone to do them, but it literally says in Sefer Oteo, God does not even ask everyone to do. So you move into this minority when you begin to take on this posture. And you become me chesed. Goes on to say, Yet for each one of us, there is a deed which cannot be asked, which we must nevertheless offered. That is the only way, striving to complete the work, gemara, which is completion. Gemara also has the word amar, which means to say, and uh, it also has gimel. So, Amar Gimel, to speak or say the Gimel, goes on to say that this is the only reason to leave your house and go. And so, Gimel is great, which is Gadol, and mighty, which is Gibor. And just kind of looking at this word here. Uh, you have Ger Bo, the stranger upon him. And so you see that one who is mighty is one who is willing to take upon themselves a stranger. And this is really interesting too because in this final exile, until we realize that all of us have to unify, it's really interesting that among Israel we see each other as strangers. It's like uh, you're a Breslever, or you're a Haredi, you're a Naknak, you're Chabad, you're Lapid, and so on and so forth, like all the different genres that are out there. But we see each other as strangers, like Gerim. We're Gerim to ourselves when we're actually all in the Torah. We're all somewhere in the beautiful, infinite layers of the aspects of Torah. And it's interesting because, you know, just look at a human being when they actually dress up, you know, put clothes on so that they can leave the house. What are we wearing? We're wearing layers, especially for guys. We have an undershirt, then we have our katan, then we have our outer garments. Some of us have outer garments over our outer garments, you know, because you're wearing a button-up and you're wearing a tie and you're wearing a coat and things like that. And so, you know, throw a vest in there, 
you know, you have your undergarments and you have your pants, then you have your belt, you know, and things like that. Well, how many layers are we looking at here? You know, because that literally is what all of these different sects are. Like we're layers on these garments worn on the body of the Shekinah. Because Yisrael all together makes up the individual parts of the Shekinah. And so the Shekinah is assembled as we're assembled. And again, back to the vision of the third temple that I got to see on Shabbat Chazon, we're the temple. You know, we're waiting for the temple to descend from Shemaim. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, reveal it soon. Amen. But that is only a reflection of who it represents, which is Yisrael. You know, and so it's beautiful that if we build ourselves up and if we're willing to take each other upon ourselves, we see each other as Garim right now. Like, I don't know you. I don't know if I don't I don't accept your Judaism kind of thing. But it's like, but what if we did? Because we know we're all keeping Arab Shabbat. We're all lighting candles. We're all wearing zitzits if we're guys, you know, um, yeah, I mean, Torah portions, Yom Dov, Moedim, Zadaka, you know, we bless Hashem. What, what, you know, uh, Minka, Shakari, you know, Ma'ariv, Sidarim, Tanakim, Humashim. I mean, seriously, are we really that strange? So, Hakadosh Baruch Hu, help us to all be Ger Bo, which is a permutation of the word Gibor. Goes on to say, and one day all the souls doing acts of loving kindness, which is Gimelut Chasidim, Chasadim, it says, will rise into great yearning into a great yearning wave that will reach to the heavens and fill the world with Geula redemption. May HaKadosh Baruch cause our words to merit on high that the Gimel be established into creation that we manifest the Gimel in creation unto the revealing of the Beit HaMikdash the coming of Mashiach Zidkenu and the resurrection of the dead and the final Geula being revealed in the whole entire world. Baruch Habab Bishem Adonai.